0: also I have a lizard. We have crickets and apparently one is out. So we're just going to pretend that we're having a chat by a fire, you know, in the woods and there's crickets.
1: Sounds awesome. (laughs) Sounds
0: awesome. This podcast comes with a listener warning. So listener discretion is advised. If you're in the car with your kids or running down the road with your parents, you might want to save this podcast for later. There's a couple F-bombs and more. But you definitely want to save this podcast. Um, Today's guest is Gary John Bishop. He's the author of the book, Unfuck Yourself, Get Out of Your Head and Into Your Life. I absolutely love him. I was listening and talking with him with my hands in the air, louder for the people in the back. He is Not preachy, but he is definitely talking some truth and some gospel. If you haven't read this book, Run, Don't Walk, or you can pick it up on Audible and listen to the audio version because it has a charming narrator with a Scottish accent. I don't know if it's him or not. It doesn't really sound like him now that I've spoken to him, but I should have probably found that out. Anyway, um, check out this book. Enjoy this podcast. We were on a bit of a time constraint, which I was totally bumming because I could have talked with him forever. But he's got a new book coming out in the spring, um, much in the same vein of unf yourself Stop Doing That Shit is the name of that book. So love it. Loved him. Totally a thousand percent behind his philosophy. Um, everything is just mad truth. And as I just submitted my book that's coming out in the fall next year, as I submitted it, and it has a lot of these same just universal truths that I, I believe so firmly in, As far as getting your head out of the sand, listening to the voices in your head, and getting out of your own way.
1: Welcome to the Same 24 Hours Podcast with Meredith Atwood. We all have the same 24 hours each day, and it's what we do with those hours that makes all the difference between our health, happiness, and success.
0: four hours podcast. I'm your host, Meredith Atwood. We have an awesome guest today. Gary John Bishop is here. Hi, Gary.
1: Hi, how are you? Thanks for having me. Oh,
0: I'm so excited to talk with you. So Gary's the author of the book, un Yourself. Now we can say bad words on my podcast. Um, so don't worry about that. I just don't, do people actually say the full name of the book or do they all say un
1: Well, when I was, I was kind of, tr- I was on CBS News and they kind of struggled, you know, <laughs> Um, so most people say unbleep yourself or un yourself, but when I'm, but usually when I'm doing podcasts or certain radio stations, they'll actually just say it.
0: Okay. Well, we can do that. The, the book, you are sort of in the category of self-help, but I get the sense that self-help is not really what you're all about.
1: I think it's a bankrupt statement, um, in many ways and not just the words of it. I think it implies something, you know, I think it implies that you're in need of help. And, and the notion is that somehow you're helping yourself, but you'll, you'll know that the whole idea of self-help includes reading books and doing courses, which means you're getting help from somewhere else. Um, so I, I personally like to see it more like, uh, self-empowerment or personal growth or personal development. I really feel as if they're much more empowering ways to approach your life and what you want to do about it. Yeah.
0: Well, how did you get here? I mean, I know you've spent 10, like over 10 years at this point being who you are and really yeah. helping, you know, helping people help themselves. But how did you, what was your background like?
1: It really started about a dozen years ago. And um, I got, someone had asked me to do a personal development workshop, um, which, I mean, you can imagine, you am know, I'm, I'm like, I'm Scottish, of course, and I'm, I'm from Glasgow, Scotland, And the only time we use workshop is to do work, right? That's the only time we'd use that in a phrase. Um, Like my father worked in a workshop, that was it. Um, So, you know, as a relative of mine asked me to do this personal development workshop. And I I just was horrified at the thought of it. You know, I was just, I thought we'd be going in there and quilting. And, you know, I just thought, you know, this is going to be terrible. And so I said, I said, I'll do your stupid course. I, in fact, I first said, I won't do your stupid course. And then I said, I'll do your stupid course, basically because they said they would buy for it. Right. Um, so so I went there and I had it in my mind. I, I sat at the back and my arms folded. And I'm saying, I'm going to give this thing 15 minutes and I am out of here. I am not going to sit through this nonsense. And the first person that asked me about my chakra or wants to hold my hand or something, <laughs> I'm like I'm done. <clears throat> um, so I went in there. And that and person who was facilitating started to talk. And the more they started to talk, the more they talked, the more I relaxed because they were talk about, you know, my favorite subject, <clears throat> which is at the time was me. Because <laughs> um, what this person was saying just sounded like me. It sounded like this is what I did, right? But they weren't saying it in this touchy-feely way. I mean, they were basically saying you're a jerk, you know? Yeah. So it was my kind of personal growth work. I left that workshop as if I'd just gone through, like, a car wash, you know? It was like I I was scrubbed clean. It was like, that was unbelievable, you know? Like, I just let go of so much nonsense, and I started to see my my life in a new way. And almost from that moment, um, I was full on with developing myself, but finding ways to give it away to people. But it wasn't a career move at the time. It wasn't like, oh yeah, let me do this and make money. You know? Right. What? It was like, I just want to do this and give it to people. In fact, truth be told, my business at the time that I was in, uh, you know, money wasn't really a big thing for me. I was doing pretty well. Thank you very much, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but then the more that I gave it away, the more that I told people about what I'd learned and that I was able to articulate it in such a way that, in that moment of telling them that, it actually made a difference for them. So very quickly, I I went into this leadership program with a very very large personal development company, and I became a facilitator for them. And I was like a like I said, I was like a spitfire at the gates. I became a senior program director rapidly. I traveled all over the world delivering these personal growth programs to thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands, and thousands of people. And um, in every corner of the earth you could imagine. And uh, after doing that for a few years, I, it was 33 weeks of the year on the road, and you know, I was gone all the time. Wow. <clears throat> and after a young family, you know, so I thought, I'm not going to do this. I want to be home with my family. But the training and development that I got there really inspired me to, to come up with my own approach, my own philosophy. So I took a year, and I... I just threw myself into every kind of philosophy that appealed to me, which at the time was more like ontology and phenomenology and some of the great philosophers and that kind of discipline. And um, then I started a small coaching business. Someone asked me to write a book. Another thing that I said no to initially. (laughs) Um, And I wrote the book. I just, you know, I thought, well, why not? I wrote the book. I self-published and within, I think it was about four months, around four months, we'd sold 5,000 copies. Wow. Um, yeah. It just went it kind of went viral, you know. I was interviewed by uh, the bass player from Motley Crue, believe it or not, Nikki Six.
0: Yeah.
1: And he, he said I was like the Led Zeppelin of the personal development world, which I quite <laughs> like that. <laughs> I quite That's thought that was fun.
0: That's really good. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And then... Since, since then, the book has sold over half a million copies. It's in but a dozen different languages. It's a bestseller in a bunch of countries now. Um, and it's a New York Times bestseller in the United States. It's a bestseller, Globe and Mail bestseller in Canada.
0: I love um, it. How and, do you say unfuck yeah. yourself in all these languages? You should have that made into <clears throat> a poster.
1: <laughs> yeah, there's actually, the Italian one's the best one. The Italian one is Stop Punching Yourself in the Balls.
0: Oh, that's awesome.
1: That's that's how it's translated. Yeah, I thought that's interesting. <laughs> oh, that's funny.
0: So, okay. Well, your book, um, the subtitle is Get Out of Your Head and, and Into Your Life. But right. the title is Unfuck Yourself. So in order to unfuck ourselves, that implies that we needed to somehow at some point fuck ourselves up. So what, right. what is the concept of this book?
1: Well, the the... the I was actually inspired to write the book because of all the self-help books that were out there. Mm-hmm. They just annoyed me, you know. I, in fact, I never bought them. The title alone annoyed me, you know. <laughs> so, you know, I'm just not a proponent of everything happens for a reason, for instance. No, it doesn't. It doesn't happen for a reason. It just happens. Yeah. Um. And people get grounded in some of these kind of wispy philosophical musings as a way to kind of i don't know anesthetize them from the agony of their current life so i wanted to write a book that not only informed people not only gave people a pathway but it, but it inspired them to step up and take ownership of their own life right so so if the book and the book i explain that that you live your entire life in your head it seems like you don't it seems like you talk to people but you don't realize even when you're talking to people When they're talking, you're talking to yourself. Mm -hmm. And then then when it's your turn, and we call that a conversation, by the way, your turn to talk, we call that a conversation, Um, you're basically regurgitating what you just said to yourself while they were talking. (laughs) True. Wow. Right. Right. And that's all it is. It's just this way. I'm talking to myself, and I'm just going to give you what I just talked to myself about. And... Most of what you talk to yourself about, you've been doing it for so long. You're so in it. You don't even know most of the stuff you talk to yourself about. You know some of it, but you don't know most of it. In fact, you only see, you only live with the consequences of what you talk to yourself about. And people, people don't realize that the language they use, it's not semantics. As you speak to yourself and as you speak to others, you are quite literally painting an existence for yourself. So You are painting a life with every word. So every word you say to yourself and every word you say to somebody else, you are in very a very real way <laughs> creating what it's like to be you in a moment of time. Yeah. So I want people to get, like, first of all, I mean, the title of the book suggests that you – Ask yourself, which is actually the good news, because if you did it, you can undo it. And <laughs> um, and then there's this: get out of your head and get into your life. And I actually talk about what does it take to, uh, for me to get into my life, and for you to get into your life requires you to be to have a growing muscle to set aside your opinions and to act on something that in fact often conflicts with your opinion. So to take life on in many ways that conflicts with what you would typically do, but not this. I mean, it was a thing in the nineties. Like if you typically say no, say yes. And if you typically say yes, say no, I don't mean that. I mean, like if you were somebody who could stand in the future and your life had all turned out, right. And that's everybody lives their life hoping that it's going to turn out. And they actually think that it is going to turn out, but you'll notice so far it hasn't happened. (laughs) Um, and you'll, I that way, Um, but if you if you stood in the future and you said, well, in my future life I'll have this house, that car, that partner, this career or business, this pastime, this hobby, this passion, and there I am, and I have it all. What am I doing today that's in service of that? And most people don't live that way. Most people live their live their life in some kind of reactionary mode to what's presented. They don't live what I would call a created life. That is a life where it's it's a life in service of the future, but it actually inspires the present. Mm. And so in the book, I, I touch on that a little. In fact, in my new book that's coming out in the spring, I really get into this whole idea of what it is to live your life in service of something greater than your automatic reactions and feelings and emotions. Um, it's not like your feelings and emotions aren't important because they are important. They're just not that important. And, you know, I feel as if in many ways, especially in Western society, we've kind of swung all the way with our feelings and emotions to the other side now where my feelings and my emotions are everything. You know, people are saying stupid things like, if it doesn't feel right, don't do it. I mean, shit, if that was the case, I'd never go out the house.
0: Right. I mean, that's exactly when you should do most things.
1: (laughs) Right. So, so, so I, and, and I don't, I'm not saying that in some kind of blasé Right. You know, kind of bullish approach to life. I'm not saying that. I'm saying to people, look, I, I know you have an emotional state, and I know that that you're, you know, burned out or overwhelmed, and I get it. And but my, what I what I challenge people with is, and you're either going to have your life defined by that right now, or you're going to have it defined by something else. And that's what you have a say in. You might not have a say necessarily in being hit by a bus. Yeah. Right. But you have you have a massive say in your experience of being yourself. Yeah. A massive say in joy and satisfaction and fulfillment and passion. In fact, you have all the say in that. But as but as a society, outsource that to things around us. So it seems like I can't be happy until I get a new job. Or it seems like I can't be passionate until I find my purpose, which is another thing that grinds my gears. Um, Or it seems like I can't be satisfied until there's X amount of dollars in my bank account. And I want people to get it's not true. You're just choosing subjective things, pinning some feeling on it in the hope that when you do that, you'll turn out. And what you'll notice is when even when those things turn out, you're still the same.
0: Yeah, and then you're look. You're just always looking to the future as, as an answer right. for where you are, and that's right. confusing.
1: <laughs> and if I'm and if I'm constantly looking to the future, well, yeah, but if I'm constantly looking to the future, even the very nature of looking to the future, it must include that I'm sat. I'm dissatisfied with the present, so I live a life of dissatisfaction and hope. And that's that's the vast majority of people, and I say. You can live that way. You absolutely can. There's no one stopping you. And you could do it differently. You could actually live a different life and change your life and even change your experience of yourself and change what you're up to and change what you thought was possible. And literally break the doors off or blow the doors off what you think your potential is.
0: One of the things I love that I heard you say is that in order to kind of go this route that you're proposing, you have to start with the fact that you are, in fact, the asshole.
1: <laughs> oh,
0: I love that.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I don't. There are no assholes in the world. As far as I'm concerned, there's only one. <laughs> right, there's Outside of me, there's none. And I really mean that. Like, I don't. I mean, I, I, at times I'll say to people, you know, you have to remember that people are assholes. But the most important part of that you have to remember is that you are people. Yeah. And you know, no one can screw my life up as well as I can. No one. No one can mess with my happiness like the way that I can. No one can screw with my success quite the way that I can. No one can turn me down a dark hole as well or as quickly as I can. No one can get angry the way I can, like all of the things that I that people typically Pin on other people or on what's going on around them. I bring all of that in-house. And the reason I bring it in-house is I would much rather live that way than have my mood be determined by you. Yeah. You're going to do whatever you're going to do. I get that. But that doesn't mean to say I need to dance. Mm. I'm not always interested in dancing. I get it. You're pissed off and you want to tell me that I'm a Okay, I get that. That's fine. What makes me the asshole in that moment is that I get into the dance with you. No, I'm an asshole. Why am I doing this? I know that I should not do this, right? So, um, I mean, I guess you could say I'm a bit of a old school existentialist. And existentialism starts in the fundamental principle of responsibility. But I don't think people really, I don't think in general terms, we really inquire or investigate what does it look like for me to be responsible in my life? Most people think it means paying your Capital One card on time. Um, I say no, responsibility is a whole host of things. Like, can you be responsible for your emotional state? Can you be responsible for who you are when you walk in a room? Can you take ownership of how you currently feel in such a way that you can set it aside and express something new? Can you be responsible for that your life is where it's at right now And that somewhere along the line, you've made this okay. I mean, you might have blamed other people or said it was other things that you never went to college or your dad was a jerk or your mom abandoned you when you were four. But if you can take all of that and say, and my life is where I'm at and it's where I'm at right now because I've made it okay to be here. Right. And first of all, I mean, a lot of times when my approach infuriates people, they get very angry at me. But, you know, usually my answer to that is, well, here we are with you angry again. Tell me how this is new. Right. And you'll see that, yeah, I do. I get angry. And I, that's right. And, and so my approach is often counterintuitive, but I invite people, you know, intervene with yourself to interrupt the drift of who you've become and start to take a stand for something greater and start to engage with yourself in a way, engage with yourself in a way, instead of engaging with everybody else about engaging with yourself in a way that you can deal with who you are rather than pointing to ex- ex- exterior circumstances but I, I I'll add one little caveat to that and I, I'm kind of blabbing on here but but there's a little caveat to blaming your exterior circumstances or people around you or how you're raised blame pointed in any direction is a way of avoiding responsibility for how your life is. Yes. So if you're, blaming your, if you're blaming your boss for your unhappiness, you're avoiding being responsible for your own happiness. But some people go the other route. They blame themselves. Well, I, I invite those people to consider you're just doing the exact same thing. You're getting to throw your arms up in the air and blame it on some mystery of the universe, like there's something wrong with you. Mm-hmm. rather than taking responsibility for your happiness and saying, you know what, my happiness is on me and you know, I am going to express my happiness. I'm going to be someone who is a happy human being or a joyful human being or a passionate human being. All of that's on you. It's not on the new pair of shoes and it's not on some notion that you're broken. Right. As I like to say, pardon the French, but you're not a fucking chair. You're not broken.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: You You are an expression of being and it's your, it's your opportunity on this earth to express something and to make it something great. And unfortunately, and I'm not saying this like from some pulpit because I've been this guy in my life where I didn't express something great. I expressed something ordinary and I expressed something that was, that really like an honor that I was alive, that, that I, realized i'd given my life to a very standard set of complaints mm-hmm. and that you know there has to come a point in your life when you just say to yourself you know what I'm, I'm no longer willing to live like this i'm no longer willing to live an ordinary life and you know the one wake-up call on and by the way an ordinary life doesn't mean to say you quit your job and become a ski instructor in the lower reaches of, you know, the, the Alaskan Peninsula or something, right? Like it's what I'm saying is what does it take for you to be an extraordinary human being? Right. Right. And you can do that if you work at Target or if you work at GE or if you're a pilot or if you're, you know, the door person at the Four Seasons you can be an extraordinary human being. There's nothing stopping you from doing that and from being that human being. It's not about what you're doing; it's all about who you are. And if you're not intervening with that, if you're not taking a stand for that, if you're not putting that out there, then I think you got to really question what am I doing with this life?
0: Yeah, one of the things I love um, about your book and is just the the way that you force the reader to look, to deal with reality. And I—that that is yeah. such a big personal thing with me because for so long I had a drinking problem. I mean, it was bad. Yeah. And I yeah. would go to yoga. I'm like, well, I need a 30 day detox and I need to lose weight and I need to go to yoga and I need to sleep more when really I just needed to quit drinking. <laughs> like that was the reality. Yeah. And and I couldn't right. get anything going because I was just screwing myself every day by drinking too right. much and then hating myself. And in, in my head... I also think it's really interesting how you define self-limiting beliefs because I had all these self-limiting beliefs in my head, but of course you don't know what those are at the time until you start digging in and saying, what am I saying in my head? So let's talk about that a little bit about your self-limiting belief.
1: All right. Theory. So if you ask somebody what a self-limiting belief is, if they tell you, then that's not a self-limiting belief. And so the minute you tell somebody it's not a self-limiting belief, a self-limiting belief is what you can't see. You can't see it, you can't hear it, you can't smell it. In fact, for you, it's how it is. So if you're listening to this right now and you're driving your car or you're sitting in your house or whatever you're doing, you are a self-limiting belief. Everything that's rattling through your cage right now, It's a self-limiting belief. You are up to your eyeballs in what you can do and what you can't do. And you're up to your eyeballs in how it can be done and how it can't be done. And you're up to your eyeballs in judgment and opinion and nuance. You, you're a. (laughs)
0: Like people say they're not judgmental. That's the best. (laughs)
1: Right. I mean, you, you can't be a human being and not be judgmental. Right. You, you're hardwired to judge. Now I know that some people are horrified by that, and they're horrified by that because they just judged me. <laughs> <clears throat> like I don't they're ready. No one's mad at
0: you. You speak like total <laughs> truth, like absolute, hundred <laughs> percent
1: truth. Yeah, yeah. Now people get furious because right. I, I like to call myself because I'm the provoker. I like poke the bubble, you know, yeah. and 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 look. The, the stone cold reality is, of it is and keep, a lot of... The, the hardest thing you face is your authentic truth, as I would call it, right? Your, tell yourself the truth is another way to say it. If you talk to people, I think most, if not everybody, says I do tell myself the truth. And I say to people, you're full of shit. You do not tell yourself the truth. You lie to yourself all the time. You buy yourself off. Yes. You know, like, <laughs> I do this and I do that and I do this because... Well, it's been a tough week and you know I'm sorry I'm late but the traffic like the traffic's more important than you honoring your word or wake up to that they've gummed themselves up they've, they've taken their edge away they've taken away their their integrity and their power and their ability to impact and influence life that's confronting for many people because they've built a life around the sludge, and, you know, again, I'm not saying that from, from the pulpit or something. I'm saying that because I did it. And I'm only sharing this with you because, look, I, I did this. And I'm not even that bright. And I don't live the same life. And you don't have to either.
0: I've come out of a lot of shit. I mean, I have overcome and overcome and overcome. And I'm like, yes, I'm making progress. And then I'm talking to my friend. Last night, we're sharing our food journals with each other. And uh-huh. I don't share my food journal with anyone. So she's like a really close friend. <laughs> and so mm-hmm. we're talking mm-hmm. about it. And I said, well... Yeah, I kind of lied about that and she's like, "Are you fucking kidding me? You lied about the food you ate." I said, "Yeah, I lied in my food journal all the time." And she's like, "Why do you do that?" And I said, "I don't know, but at least I know I do it."
1: <laughs> right. I
0: mean, it it goes so deep that, you know, that's right. some of us lie to ourselves about what we actually just put in
1: our face. All right. So, I want you to get when you're writing that in the journal, right? That's can kind of, that's what I would call unauthentic. Yeah. Right? Because it's not it's not it's not a open honest clear communication that you're putting in there right but in the moment that you told your friend that you're being authentic about that you actually started to clean up your inauthenticity
0: right I felt better yeah exactly
1: right so you actually have a moment now today to have a whole new approach to that journal and you could do it or not you can choose to just keep doing what you're doing and you know, it's like this con job where you you know you're being conned because you're doing the conning, right? And at some point you got to get, what, why would I even do this to myself? Why wouldn't I want to operate at the highest levels? Now, my in the, in the book that's out right now, it's doing so well, and it's really been an amazing journey for me to watch that thing grow. I touch on some of these items, but in the book that's coming out in spring, should be out May 7th. Um, the book is called stop doing that shit. (laughs) And (laughs) it's about, yeah, it's about, um, like, well, what is it? If you, if you say you want to do something on one hand, yet you're compelled to do something else on the other hand, what is that? And we all do it in our own ways. Right. So in the book, I actually get you to the bottom of the well with that actually get you to why you do that how you do that your own special brand of that and where it's driving you and you'll notice that simple action that you take by the way of lying to yourself in your in your journal allows you to continue an internal dialogue Mm -hmm. that's bubbling away with you just under the surface. I know
0: exactly where it's coming from. Like, I mean, it it comes from from long ago when food was a problem and I was a little fat tubby kid. And in order to eat what I wanted, I had to hide it. I mean, it's this long history of dialogue in my head and it's the same problem I've always had. And and I get a win every time I mess it up because it's the same story. All right.
1: All right. right. So I'm going to throw a hand grenade in that. Okay. (laughs) That's a psychological explanation that actually hasn't left you with any power.
0: Right. I know.
1: (laughs) Right. As I lied to
0: myself in my food journal at 40.
1: Right. (laughs) Right. So when people say to me their stuff they know, I say, consider you don't know it until you stop doing whatever you're doing. Until then, it's still a mystery. Uh, When you're fully aware of something, it changes how you behave. You just don't behave the same way. You don't do what you used to do. So if you look at how you are with alcohol now, you just don't do what you used to do there. Right. You understand? Right. Now, that's because whatever in that process was something where you are got like awoken to something. Yeah. So you don't have the same relationship with it. So if you, I, my 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 view of people is that you are, you are um organized around three very simple internal statements that you don't really know you're organized around them though why? Because you're too busy organizing <laughs> so you can't really see what you're dancing around and again, in this new book, we'd out to unearth it, right But one of those fundamental foundations, if you like is this really like powerful, penetrating, ugly, uncomfortable conclusion that you've come to about yourself as a human being. And the conclusion that you've come to about yourself as a human being is not a good one. So it's not like I'm freaking awesome, right? People say that stuff, but I always invite them to say, consider that you say that to overcome something that's already there. So if you look at your life, you'll see that a lot of the behaviors you have allow that internal dialogue to continue to exist. So it gets to be proved as both valid and accurate. Except you don't know that that's what you're doing. You're just behaving the way you're behaving. But if you uncovered it and said, oh, "Holy crap, this just proves that I'm not good enough. Mm hmm. And it keeps proving that I'm not good enough. In fact, if I look at my life, like I'm doing things all over the place that prove I'm not good enough. Like that's what this is really about. Like even my successes and the aftermath of my success, I'm often left in the black hole of I'm not good enough. Right. But it could be anything. It could, I'm not loved enough. I'm not capable. I'm not smart enough.
0: What if it's all those? There's things? a kind of. One. you just go jump off a it's bridge? It's not. It's not. <laughs> no.
1: No. It's one. I'm telling you, it's one of them. But you got to so get it's like a tree. It's like a tree, and it and but it, it and it has you engage with life from a very distinct place. You, so so I'll give you. I'll share with you mine. So mine is I'm not smart enough. Now it's not that I'm not smart. It's that I'm not smart enough. Right. And I'll never be smart enough. So, writing a book for me with that noise in your head could be tortuous. I mean, it could be just, it could be, like, the most suppressing experience one could ever imagine. Why? Because I'm reading it, and I'm hating it, and it's terrible, and what am I going to, and this doesn't even make any GD sense. And I I mean, how am I, I mean, uh, somebody's going to read this and just pick it apart. I mean, am I going, I mean, why do I even, right? Yeah. So, so that internal dialogue, the more pressed you get, gets louder. Now, when you are out to produce results in life and you're at the cusp, so you're kind of getting, you're starting to see some results. And then you do that thing called throw a fucking hand grenade, hiding the whole thing, right? So you're getting there, it's all good. I feel as if, you know, so you might be saving a bit of money and not spending. Might be you've lost a bit of weight. Might be you know you've really you've started to apply for college again and go back and da, da, da. and then you'll notice there's a point where you back off it. Yeah, You're back away from it, and you'll resort to what you know to do. And the reason why you'll resort to what you know to do is because what's beyond that is a life where the you that you know yourself as can't exist, can't exist there. Can't you can't say I'm not smart enough and have a New York Times bestselling book. You can't say that. Right. But that's a problem for me. Why? Because I'm not smart enough. That's not a thought to me. That is like, that is a fundamental truth for me as a human being that has been burned deeply into my subconscious. From a very young age, I picked that up. I came to that conclusion and it's been there ever since. And in fact, until the last 10 years, my life was completely guided by that. I didn't see it. It's just that, you know, certain things, not doing that, not doing this. I'm going to do that, or do that. And I'm going to do it this way. And it was all, and I, I didn't really see this until the last actually three or four years, how much I was driven by what I'd concluded about myself. And that, Every act of self-sabotage in my life was to return me to the conclusion yeah, and to keep turning me to it, to keep bringing me back to it so that I could struggle for that day in the future again. And then when I get close, back we go. And then that day in the future. And then, and then even when I did get success, when I did cause breakthroughs, I would trivialize it. Oh, that's just bullshit. Anybody could have done that. Right. I was not luck- I was lucky or a cheated or whatever, like some way to kind of, you know, to kind of destabilize the accomplishment and to make it ordinary. And if any of your listeners are listening right now, you probably did this with your college degree. So you went to college, you did what you did, stood your ass off, you got that degree, and then you turned it into like a trip to the post office. Within a couple of years, it was nothing. Right. Useless, pointless. Why did I do it? Should have done something else. Whereas when you were doing it, it was the crowning moment of your life. And, and you know, include stuff like getting married or having kids or starting a bit like this is the crowning moment. Yeah, yeah, well, whatever. <laughs> so <true. clears throat> Yeah. So so all of that's to keep returning you to base camp, keeps getting you back to your conclusion. What's my conclusion? Well, for me, it's not, I'm not smart enough. There are a couple of others, I'm not going to give it all away, but in the book, we get into. Uh, we actually go pretty deep into it too, but not in a not in a way that's just about some intellectual masturbation or something. Actually, in a real, easy to understand, easy to access. I was committed to keeping this book under forty thousand words, so Ooh,
0: that's short.
1: I could read it and get whacked upside. Down.
0: Yeah, I just yeah,
1: in yeah a the, the, my my. <laughs>
0: Yeah. I was yeah. just going to say, I just turned in a book that had a 65,000 word limit and I turned in a hundred thousand words and said, I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> oh
1: yeah. God, short. Yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and the challenge was, what do I take out? Yeah, I mean, that was the challenge, Right. but I feel as if that's a, a big part of my appeal is I want to give you tons and tons of wisdom, but not in a way that turns into an abstraction or a concept, but rather has you really look in your life. like So uh, somebody left this brilliant review that I, I never forgot because it was a brilliant one. The the shitty ones I try and ignore. But anyway, they gave me this brilliant review and they said the genius of this book, and I liked that he used the word genius because it made me feel <laughs> important for a moment or okay, two.
0: Very smart, right?
1: It's very, yeah. it's very fleetingly, fleetingly. Um, but he said the genius of this book is not the words in it, but rather um, what's in between the lines, like how it causes you to think Mm -hmm. and to dive into it because, and I really, I really did write it that way. I really did write the book to make you think. And, um, and I guess that's always kind of my very much part of my approach. I I want people to get that. Look, I don't have the answers for you, but I do think I have the right kind of questions and the right kind of conversations that if I throw them at you, you could actually cause a little revolution in your life. And take it in a direction that's way more fulfilling for you and way more empowering for you.
0: Yeah, every time I hear you talk or, or read anything you've written, I just like throw my hands up like I'm in church because <laughs> I'm like, oh my gosh, <laughs> there's always something that I immediately, when, you know, when you just say, like the whole thing with the self-limiting beliefs and, and right. you know, that how much you hate the term believe in yourself and, and just things like right. that, it, it makes me it just, it causes me to act. You know, I say, okay, right. you know, and I think that's just, that's absolutely wonderful. And too many of us are are just thinking, 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 and hoping, and hoping, and hoping. We're not dealing right. with anything.
1: Well, I like to say we actually don't think. I think what we do mostly is thought. Mm-hmm. So
0: there's a yes. lot of,
1: there's a lot, there's a lot of thoughting going on. Thoughting. <laughs> right. So people are sitting around just thoughting their way through the day. But if you actually brought some critical thinking to something, right? I mean, in my new book, I talk about willpower, and I I totally throw it out like it's garbage. I it's it's complete willpower is complete voodoo. Yes. Now, I'm only able to say that because I've given that some thinking. Right. And the first question I asked myself was, well, where is it? Right. And. My first response when I asked myself the question, "Well where's the willpower?" was well, it's that feeling I get in my stomach but I get that feeling in my stomach with pizza. <laughs> so I know that's not willpower. right so so then if I really question I start to get, well, it's more like an experience of myself I'm looking for like willpower. but that's not it either because apparently it, it about, like it leaves me. And then I've run out of it. And so I, I actually say willpower's just bullshit. It's just this made-up voodoo thing that you can't quite put your finger on. Mm-hmm. And that you what you might be calling willpower to me might be sadness. I don't know. I can't tell if what you're feeling and I'm feeling are the same thing. So I I tend to look at human beings in a way that's a little simpler. And I say. And I, th- I think we want to be complex, by the way, I should put that in. I think we want to be complex so that the parts of our lives that aren't working, we can just put it down to some complexity or confusion. But uh, but I say to people, look, your success in life is almost exclusively tied to the degree to which you can keep a promise to yourself. Yes. That's it. I love that. I and love if, that. And, and if you stick to that, you say, right, so my success in life is almost exclusively tied And and I know there's people who just heard that there who said to themselves, oh yeah, but he did say almost like they're looking for an (laughs) out. Right. Right. They're like, yeah, almost. Yeah. I'm the exception as I'm driving my car here. It's not me speaking to, but it's nice for all these other people who clearly need what this man is saying. (laughs) No, I mean, you who just said almost, especially you. Right. Um, It's almost exclusively tied to the degree to which you can keep a promise that is fulfilling a promise that is, Deliver on a promise you made to yourself. And this is why New Year's resolutions are completely bullshit because people have no power with their promises. Right. So they have no power with them. They they bend to an exterior circumstance, right? Like, um, and this is one of the areas where I feel as if I took a lot of ground in my life, I started to challenge myself to keep my promise, which was often uncomfortable and chaotic and a complete pain in the ass, but I started to keep promises to myself. And I started with really small ones that grew into big ones. I had a, 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 a friend of mine call me at one time, and he said, this was a few years ago, and he said, what are you doing with your coaching practice? And I'm, oh, I'm doing this, and I'm doing that. He said, you know, you need to get $100,000 together. And I you know, almost choked over the phone. I'm like, what are you talking about, $100,000? What are you <laughs> What do you think I'm gonna do? Like, what are we? We gonna, you know, am I gonna start, you know, flying to South America and bringing back contraband? Like, I don't, hundred thousand dollars. And he said, "Oh yeah, just get it together." I'm like, "Like, dude, that's like what I've made in a year, and my best year as a coach. I have a family." And he said, "No, you should just do it." (laughs) And uh, I sat there for a moment and I said, "You know what? I actually should just do it." Yeah. So I said, I'm going to, I'm going to make $100,000 in five months. Now, you've got to get. I made that myself, and I had no idea how I was going to do it. Like, I had no idea I'm going to do this. I don't know how I'm going to do it. But I made the promise, and I made my life about delivering on the promise, and that that promise was bigger than anything that I, else that I would say to myself. And I delivered on it. I did it. Yeah. I actually did it. I, I made that money. I'd never made that kind of money in my life. Not even just in that time frame, but the way that I did it, the way that I generated the way that I made it happen, I challenged myself to deliver on my promises. And I am, like, super hesitant, very sensitive to anywhere that I break a promise to myself. Like, I'm not prepared to deal with. It. Yeah, and I should add, by the way, I'm not careful with my promises either. I'm not like, oh, I don't want to promise Super I'm like, fuck good. that. Let's make a big promise.
0: <laughs> I'm like, personally, I'm super good at keeping huge promises yeah. to myself, but I break the dumb ones like lying in my food journal, you know? And so this really resonates with me yeah. because it's like, I should just be keeping all the promises and yeah. be done with it. Well, I know right. you have to go. And, and then you, you start realizing. I do.
1: Yeah. thank you. Thank you, you, thank you so much. And, and I
0: don't want you to go. I you? got it.
1: <laughs> I got it. And I, I do want your people who are listening right now to See, if, if, if the person listening to this right now was to realize that their future was a function of the promises that they kept, then they would realize that that's all in the way. Yeah. There's nothing else in the way. It's just you and what you're willing to do to keep a promise to yourself. That's and awesome. you'll realize in that journey of working that muscle that you have a potential and a possibility that you could never have imagined.
0: You're awesome, Gary. I appreciate you so much. And we'll look forward to your book coming out in the spring.
1: Thanks for having me on your show.
0: Absolutely. We'll talk soon.